0: Uh, Today, we have a guest speaker, but I need to dismiss the kids, don't I? I always forget. Why don't we stand up? We're going to pray a blessing on our children, and if your kids are in class, they can be dismissed after we pray. Lord, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for your presence here through your spirit. We thank you that you've given us your scripture to guide us. We pray that today, through hearing the scripture, we've come to a better understanding of, of you, your will for us. Um. We thank you, Lord, um, that many of us here actually know you in a personal way. We pray that if anyone is here today that doesn't know you, doesn't have any certainty about their eternal destiny, that today they would gain that certainty. Today they would be introduced to you uh, and begin that relationship. We ask your blessing on the children they grow in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If your kids are in class, they can go to Catechism now. Uh, today we have a special treat. I am not preaching. You should all clap. You all clap. I'm not preaching. Clap. That's a good thing. Um, no, today uh, we, we have a special guest speaker, uh, Mr. Rob Welch. He is president of, I should say the Reverend Rob Welch, president of Forest Glory Ministries. Uh, this is the ministry dedicated to the propagation of the gospel around the world. And uh, Rob has labored mainly in Africa, but also in other Other parts of the world, and he has seen uh, phenomenal results. He's preached the gospel to over a million people and seen uh, as many as 250,000 people profess to receive Christ. So, um, Rob's going to share his heart about the lost, and hopefully, his heart will touch our heart. Amen. Let's give a warm welcome to Rob Welch.
1: Well, it's just been wonderful this morning, uh, worshiping with you. Uh, Just a joy and a a privilege to be in the Lord's presence and and to be in your presence and just to experience the Lord's goodness and and His grace. And I want to share with you this morning about something that I think we need to start with before we get to evangelism. Because I think everyone that's a Christian and is serious about their faith and wants to be faithful to the Word of God realizes that there is a need for us to share the gospel with others. I'm going to ask you how many of you here have surrendered control of your life to Christ? Raise your hand if you have. That's most in the room, right? looks like. And if you haven't, I won't call you out, but it looks like most of the hands went up, at least from what I could see. So if we belong to Christ, we know we've been called to be his witnesses. And you've got a faithful pastor here, so every week he's preaching the gospel and he's calling people to trust in Christ and, and to obey the word of God. So, so all of us know that this is something God has called us to Every one of us in this room probably knows the Great Commission. Most every one of us. How many of you here know the Great Commission? I don't want to assume. Okay, that's okay. So most of the hands going up there, right? Jesus said, "Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe." Everything that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? A lot of us know that, right? Okay, how many of you know Acts 1-8? A lot of us know this too, right? Jesus said, these are his last recorded words in Scripture, right before he's taken up into heaven. He said, when his disciples are asking, Lord, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still not understanding God's plan. That should be great encouragement for, uh, for us, guys. They had been with Jesus three and a half years. They had seen Jesus work miracles that nobody else had ever worked. They'd seen Jesus heal the sick. They'd seen Jesus raise the dead. They'd seen Jesus uh, cast out demons. They had seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus change water to wine. They'd seen Jesus take five loaves and two fish and multiply it, probably feed 15 or 20,000 people because they were only recording the men, not the women and the children. So Jesus is working these great miracles. They'd seen Jesus die on a cross. heard of it because most of them took off and but they knew jesus died and they had seen him physically resurrected from the dead and now they'd been with him over a period of 40 days if at any point these disciples should have gotten it now was the time and yet right before jesus is taken up they're saying lord are you going to restore the kingdom to israel now are we going to get our place in the kingdom now what does Jesus say? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are his last words said before he was taken up. So those of us here that know Christ, that love Jesus, that believe his word, many of us are in his word faithfully, and we're realizing God has called us to do more than just get to heaven. He didn't place you here just to get you to heaven. He wants you to do something while you're here. So so we know that God has something more for us than just keeping our our faith to ourselves, right? So that is not our problem in witnessing. Lack of knowledge is not our problem in witnessing. Every one of us that knows Christ knows enough to share Christ with others. Every one of us, whether it's me, whether it's your pastor, whether it's you, You know, we have the knowledge we need. There's something else that's missing. And so as I considered, what do we need to hear today that's going to move in us and is going to change us? I considered that because our problem here in America isn't lack of knowledge. Our problem here in America isn't lack of good biblical teaching. You can listen to your pastor, and you do each Sunday. You can listen to bot radio. You can listen to some app. You you can turn on the radio, read a book, uh, have CDs, MP3s, whatever, podcasts. You've got all sorts of options. The issue we have is not a lack of knowledge. The issue we have is a problem of the heart. That's that's our problem. That's my problem. And that's your problem. That's our problem. And I want us to look today at the heart of God because nobody here today needs some legalistic message that you go out of here and you feel bad about yourself. I sure don't need to preach it. You sure don't need to hear that. That's not what we need. What we need to know is the heart of God. And and, and this message is going to be so simple but so profound. It's something you've already heard. Your pastor's probably already preached this message to you in some form. But I want us to look at a passage that that we have seen before, that we know this is Jesus talking to, to his disciples in the upper room. It's called the Upper Room discourse we're looking at John chapter 15 right after Jesus says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser in verse 5 I'm the vine you are the branches if a man abides in me he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing going down from there in verse 8 I'm going to read this and following and then we're going to look through the Bible and we're going to look at the heart of God And this is an impossible task, but by the grace of God, I pray that by His Spirit we're able to do that today. Beginning with verse 9 of chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments... And abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you. That my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. O oh, my Father and my God, I give you praise. I give you praise for you are holy. There is none like you. You are the King of glory. The heavens declare your glory, the angels. Declare your glory. The elders on their 24 thrones declare your glory. The saints around the throne, the multitude that no one can count, declare your glory. All people at all times will declare your glory. There is none like you. You are holy and you dwell in unapproachable light. And I thank you, God, that you are the awesome God, that you are El Shaddai, and there is none like you. But God, I thank you that you are not only holy, but you are love. You are merciful. You are compassionate. And Daddy, I pray that you'd speak to us today. We need your heart, Daddy, for the nations. We need your heart for people. We need you to speak to us. We need you to change us. Lord, we don't need more head knowledge. We need our hearts to be changed by your heart, by your goodness, by your love, by your salvation, by your mercy, by your compassion. Oh, Holy Spirit, come in power in our hearts and transform us by your compassionate grace. Father, as we have just celebrated what Jesus has done on our behalf, how He went to the cross, how He took our sins, how He took our judgment, how He took our death, how He took Your wrath for our rebellious wicked hearts. And He died in our stead. Taking the sins of the world, it was laid in the tomb. And on that Sunday morning, he rose victorious, that glorious resurrection day, and he rose with all power. We thank you, Father. We thank you that Jesus has risen from the dead. We've sung it today. We will sing his praises for all eternity. The lamb who was slain is now reigning at your side. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for sending your spirit that we're not alone in this work. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd minister to us now, Lord, give us your heart. Give us your heart. Show us your heart. And give us your heart. Take away those things that are holding us back. Take away that preoccupation with self. Take away our desire for knowledge without obedience. Take away our pride. Give us humble hearts. And give us compassion for others as you've shown compassion for us. So now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak through me that Jesus Christ might be exalted, that his kingdom might advance, that we might be transformed by your love and your heart to rescue all people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to kind of fly over redemptive history. I want us to consider what God has done from the very beginning to redeem us. I want us to see and understand and know his heart and his love and his grace because if we really begin to understand that, we're not going to have to be told to witness to anyone. We're not going to have to be told to go out. We're going to be so compelled and so moved by love and compassion that that's just what we're going to do. In the very beginning after God created Adam and Eve and he placed them in the garden and he'd given them one commandment don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil if you do that you'll die. And Adam and Eve chose to doubt God's goodness and his love and his truth and they ate they hid from God tried to cover themselves up God from the very beginning pursued we have to understand that about the heart of God God has a pursuing heart now at that point if God was just being just you and I wouldn't be here That would have been the end of creation. If God just had a heart for justice or just had a heart for his holiness being satisfied without showing grace, then that would have been the end. There wouldn't be any Liberty Christian church. There wouldn't be the United States of America. There wouldn't be any nation because from the very beginning, Adam and Eve disobeyed and then hid. But what did God do? Immediately, God went searching for his wayward children. And as he talked with them, and they had to confess their sin, and they blamed one another, God promised in Genesis 3, verse 15, that he would send Jesus. You don't have to go far into the Bible to see God's plan of redemption being worked out. You don't have to go far at all. All you have to do is get to sin, and then immediately. You see, God, he doesn't give them all the details, but we see now the one that would crush the head of Satan is Jesus Christ, his son. So from the very beginning, God began pursuing his people. That's something we have to understand. God has a pursuing heart. If he didn't have a pursuing heart, nobody would come to believe because the Bible tells us we're dead in our trespasses and sins. None of us who are dead can make ourselves alive. Adam and Eve were dead in their sin and God went pursuing them. And ever since then, we've seen that story throughout the scriptures. We see God pursuing. The story continues and, and we get to the place where the earth is so filled with wickedness that God is sorry that He had made people. He was sorry about His own creation. He saw that the thoughts and the intentions of people's hearts were wicked all the time. Now if we think we live in a godless age now, there certainly is plenty of that. Imagine in Noah's day, where it's so bad that even God says, I'm grieved. I've made this creation. But God found one man. Noah. And in grace Noah and his family were spared. And we see the grace of God there. And that was a picture of what we would see coming with the cross because those that entered the ark were saved. Everyone who entered the ark were saved was saved. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching the gospel. We see that. He was faithful. He was testifying. that judgment was coming, but the people wouldn't listen and hear. We see God spared Noah and his family. And he promised that he would never again destroy the earth in the same way. And he showed grace to Noah and his family. And he showed grace to their descendants. And then God shows a man for himself, an idol worshiper, a man who had many gods, and a man he called out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and he called Abraham. His time, At the time, his name was Abram, but he called him and he chose him. And in Genesis 12, he made a promise to Abraham, 12:3, that in Abram and in his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so God is revealing his heart, his heart of love, his heart of restoration, his heart of grace, his heart for people and nations to know him. We see God called Abraham, not just for himself, he called Abraham to be a blessing. And that in Abraham, this one man who couldn't even have children, whose wife Sarah was barren, He said, "In you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And we see this story continues and, and Abraham finally has the promised child Isaac at the age of 100 and his wife Sarah at the age of 90 and then Years pass and God says to Abraham that he wants Abraham to take his son, his his one and only son whom he loves. Now he has two sons, but this one whom he loves, who he cherishes, this one who has the promises, and he says, I want you to go and sacrifice your son on a mountain where I'll show you. And Abraham goes and he saddles his donkey and he takes his son and and he goes and he goes to the place that the Lord shows him and he takes his son up on Mount Moriah and he puts his son down on the altar and as he has him down on the altar, he's bound his son and he's taken the knife up. The Lord speaks from heaven. He says, don't hurt the boy. For now I know that you fear me. And God has a ram caught in the thicket. And in place of his son Isaac, Abraham sacrifices the ram. A picture of what God would do to redeem his people. Abraham was called to be willing to lay down his son. To be willing to sacrifice his son. But Abraham believed that God was going to raise his son from the dead. He, in faith, obeyed God, but before before Abraham followed through, God provided the ram. This was a foreshadowing of what God would do through his own son, Jesus, when there was no ram. There was no other ram in the thicket. There was no other sacrifice that could be offered. But God gave us a picture of what he would do and then you go forward a few hundred years and the Israelite people had grown to be a great nation in Egypt and, and, and they had been enslaved. They had been enslaved by the Egyptians and, and God sent them a deliverer who would deliver them out of Egypt before he did. He had the Israelites take and sacrifice a spotless year old lamb without blemish, without defect, and to take the blood of the lamb to cover the doors of their homes, that the judgment might pass over. The blood of the Lamb was required to pass over the judgment of God. It was a picture, such a clear picture of what God would do for us in Christ. Because we must be covered with the blood of the Lamb. And God delivered his people out of slavery. That also, the picture of what God would do through his son Jesus. So we see that in the Passover and the Exodus. And and coming into the promised land, a picture of what God would do and how God was seeking people to know Him, to know His love, to know His grace, to know His salvation, to know His restoration. We see that as God had chosen this people, this nation of Israel that He was forming to be a light to the nations, that He was calling them to be priests, that He was calling them to reveal who He is to the world. And we see this... Uh, continuing and through and through the prophets we see this continuing in the, the kings we see this with, with King David and, and David God found a man after his own heart and he promised that David would have one of his descendants would reign on his throne forever so we see the heart of God the heart of God is to restore the heart of God is to forgive the heart of God is to set free the heart of God, is to pursue a wayward people. Because as you read through the Scriptures, you see there are people that are just like us. They're broken. They're continually making mistakes. Abraham passed his wife off as his sister. Abraham lied. Abraham tried to hurry God's plan up. Abraham made some mistakes along the way. Moses killed a man in his anger. David committed adultery and murder to cover it up. You see how God is pursuing, and and that is the heart of God. We see that. As the Israelites continue to disobey God to the point there had to be judgment, and God had to... Uh, have them led off into captivity. God promised that he would restore his people and God fulfilled his promise and brought them back. And then we see in the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus. He sent his son Jesus, born under the law, born of a virgin, born the son of David, born the son of Abraham. He sent his son Jesus because there was no other way God could restore the world to himself. All other ways before this were just pointing to the one who would come. The one who would come, the man from heaven. The second Adam who would come to restore us to God and to reveal the heart of the Father. See, the Israelites didn't understand God. They understood things about him, but they didn't fully comprehend his love and his grace and his salvation. Moses did as he interceded for the people. David did as he was a man after God's heart. Many of the prophets understood, but as a whole, they didn't understand the love of God. They didn't understand the grace of God. They didn't understand the mercy of God. They understood God was holy. They understood God was just. They understood God had power. They understood religion. But they didn't understand God's heart because they so often didn't fulfill His purposes to be a light to the nations. And so God sent His Son, as we see in John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Now my sisters and my brothers, we need to understand that, that that is the heart of God. We need to understand the heart of God and His compassion towards people that are hurting and broken and messed up by sin we need to understand that Jesus came to his own and his own people didn't recognize him the people that Jesus had the harshest words for read through the gospels who are they guys they're the religious leaders right they're the, Sarish, they're the Phag- I can't even say it right Sadducees the priests, they're the Pharisees, they're the scribes. I'd advise you not try to say all three at once or you'll get what I just <laughs> learned. No, I've not been, I'm not drunk with wine. Um, but, but, So, so here are these religious leaders, the people that should most get who Jesus is and what he's come to do. They're the ones that least get it. They're the ones that are most antagonistic. They're the ones that are most committed to having Jesus destroyed. They're the ones who are searching the scriptures, and they think that they have eternal life, but it's those very scriptures, Jesus says, that that describe me, that point to me. And they don't understand that. They don't don't understand the heart of God. That's why you see, uh, when Jesus is working these miracles, and it happens to occur on a Sabbath, heaven forbid that you would heal on the Sabbath, you got six other days, Jesus. Why can't you just be a good Orthodox Jew and work miracles on those other days? You keep that seventh day, that day of rest, that day uh, you know, and then Jesus of course exposes their hypocrisy. He says, that, you know, if you got a if you got something falling into a, a pit, are you not gonna pull it out of the pit on the Sabbath? Of course you are. And here you're telling me not to heal. You tell me not to restore. You're telling me not to set free because I'm not following your religion. See, it, it's so easy to just get caught up and not understand the heart of God. So you see Jesus and you see him revealing the heart of God, the love of God, the grace of God. And that's why you see all these sinful people, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, all, all, the, all the sinners, are they're, they're just gathering around Jesus. And he's receiving them. And he's seeing their condition, as you see in in Matthew 9. He sees that they're harassed and they're helpless. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And he's calling them all. That's, That's the heart of God. And that's the heart that God wants us to understand. He wants us to understand his love and his grace and his salvation towards us. He wants every disciple to understand this. He doesn't want us to just have some intellectual knowledge about who he is or what he's done. That's not going to lead us to witness. He doesn't want us to just have some techniques and how to share the gospel and just rely on those techniques. He wants us to know his love and his heart and his grace. As Jesus is going into Jerusalem, he's making his uh, triumphant entry into Jerusalem. He passes through Jericho and one of the There are two people that we see that Jesus does a work in uh, in Jericho. One is we see blind Bartimaeus, and and Jesus restores his sight, and and, and Bartimaeus is rejoicing. And the other we see is is Zacchaeus, this rich tax collector, the chief of tax collectors, as we see in in Luke chapter 19. And uh, the religious leaders cannot believe that Jesus would talk to this man. They cannot believe that Jesus would say to Zacchaeus, you hurry, get down out of that sycamore fig tree as Zacchaeus is looking like an absolute fool up there, but he doesn't care because he's got to see Jesus. And nobody's going to let this short man who had corrupted and and stolen from everybody they're not gonna let him see Jesus so he goes and he finds a way Jesus looks at him he loves him. he says Zacchaeus you hurry you make haste you come down I must stay at your house today Zacchaeus is immediately transformed and all these religious leaders are angry why would Jesus go and be the guest of a sinner why would he do that all us good religious folks, he should eat with us. He should want to eat with us. He should want to eat with the good devout Jews. Not this swindler. Well, he was. Zacchaeus knew it. He's converted. Lord, look, half my goods I give to the poor. If I have wronged anybody, and he knew he had, I'm restoring them fourfold. He's like, I'm free, I'm, I'm yours. And what does Jesus say? Today, salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to this house. This this man, too, is a child of Abraham. He's a son of the promise, too. Because of his faith, he's been changed. But then what does Jesus say his mission is? He says the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's the heart of God. From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve are hiding, trying to cover themselves with fig leaves, because they realize they're naked, and God's looking for them. They're hiding in the... The darkness. Where are you, Adam? I was naked, so I hid. That's how we've been ever since Jesus. God the Father. The Holy Spirit. God's been pursuing. That's the heart of God. His heart is a loving, compassionate, gracious heart. And that's what we need. If we we want to be witnesses for God, we need to, to understand God's heart because if we understand how He's pursuing, He's always looking, He's always seeking, He's always saving. That's His heart. That's why Jesus came. God was completely satisfied in Himself. I want us to understand that. There was no loneliness in the Trinity. There isn't. There's no sin in the Trinity. And yet, God created us because he he wanted us to be his. He wanted us to know him. He wanted us to love him. He wanted us to experience him. And when Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered the world and death entered the world and separation entered the world, God began pursuing us. And he has been pursuing us throughout all history. That's why I wanted to fly over some of the, the key points of redemptive history so we can understand God hasn't changed, his heart has not changed. His heart does not change. God is not a man that he should lie. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. You see the love and grace of God as Jesus is pursuing every lost sheep. You see how Jesus is forgiving immoral, broken messed up people. The last person he pardoned before he died on the cross was a man who was was likely a, a murderer and said, I'm getting what I deserve. He honestly said, I deserve this crucifixion. But he looked at Jesus and he said, this man's done nothing wrong. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the heart of God. That is the heart of God. That's why God can redeem people as messed up as we are. I'm one messed up man. You can laugh, but it's true. If I were God, I would have picked a lot better than me. He could have done a lot better than me. It's not like God had to find somebody good to pick me. It's like, this guy's really desperate. I'll pick him. Why does God want such broken people? He does. He loves us. The disciples didn't have their acts together. Look at them. You know that. And yet God called them. That is His heart. And if we're going to get beyond just having a knowledge of God's will, which I think we have in here. We have a general knowledge of His will. Some of us have a pretty good understanding of his will we've got to get beyond just knowledge to the heart of god to the heart of god that sent jesus to the cross i want us to think about this a second how how most of us how many of us here are parents because there's some kids here too so i'm hoping you're not very ra- small kids raising their hands but okay a lot of us here are parents right if your child, how many of you have lost a child at least temporarily? Nobody here is honest. Okay, well, there are a few of us. A few. Of, how many? Some of us have, right? Did anybody have to tell you to go out looking for your child if your child was missing? Our son David was missing earlier this like last week. We're parents of the year, by the way. In our own house in our own house we're also the worst parents of the year in our own house too emily calls me in the middle of the week and what wasn't it uh em somewhere like that i she doesn't like them telling on us and she said david's missing now i was in a meeting at the time do you think i said to her well emily i'm sorry i'm in a meeting with my partner right now this is going to have to wait Anybody think I did that? If I did, I'll be anybody raise your hand, I'll be a little disappointed. <laughs> you know, no, of course not. I I took off. I immediately started for home. I figured he'd be found, but I wasn't gonna wait to see when he was found. I immediately and, and Emily quickly called, they found him, and Emily was was crying when she called me. It wasn't like, well, we just lost one son. Well we got we got two more kids, we're okay. It's okay, honey. We've, we've got John and Violet. Davey's a lot of challenges anyway, you know. Uh, you know, we'll just go with two kids. No, you don't say that with your kid. Why? Because you love them. You don't have to be told, go looking for your kids. And yet, so often when it comes to witnessing we've got a very different attitude we've got to have a light coming down from heaven we've got to have god physically say this is the one i've elected him i'm saving him he's gonna believe now You know, we make it so difficult we laugh but that's how so many of us are it's like well the lord didn't make it clear yes he did read the scripture would you want god to take that approach with you that you and i could take with others Well, it just wasn't clear enough. No, we're on a rescue mission. And if you've got that heart of God, you immediately reach out to rescue. You reach out to rescue because that's God's heart because He reached out to rescue us. He reached out in love. As, As Jesus went to the cross... I want us to try to think about this a second from the father's perspective. Do you not think that God didn't want to take his son down off that cross? I was just meditating on that. We can't imagine how badly the father wanted his son to come down. Because he's the perfect father. You look at us as, as imperfect parents I couldn't imagine seeing one of my children going through that. I'd take their place, whatever I could do. There, I, I whatever I could do. And yet the father willingly restrained himself. He willingly told his son to go to the cross. His son willingly went. His son willingly stayed there. It was the love of God that kept Jesus on the cross. It was his love for you and me. He loved us so much, he wouldn't let his son get out of his assignment. Jesus prayed three times. Father, if you're willing, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He wouldn't have prayed it three times. If it wasn't so hard, what he went through, to take the wrath of God, to be separated from the Father, to take the judgment of the world, all sins, all your sins. Just think of yours. I don't have to pick you. I could just think of mine. That alone. But then you multiply it by billions. And then and in, in one person, one point, God pours out all his wrath on his son. And Jesus, for a time, is forsaken by his Father. He's separated. That was just the love of God for you and me. That's how much God loves people that are lost and dying and separated from Him. If we understand that, if we understand how precious we are to God, then we can't help but go out because His love changes me. His love and His grace changes me. I don't have to get told to get up and preach. People might tell me to sit down But the love of Christ compels me to preach the gospel. The love of Christ compels me to call people to Christ because that's his love for me. That's his love for you. That's his love for all people. And that's what we need. If this church is going to change, it's going to change because hearts change to see and feel and experience and have his heart. That's what he wants for you today. And that's the word that he had for me to give to you today because it's not lack of knowledge. It's not lack of good teaching. It's not lack of good leadership. It's not lack of good opportunities. It's lack of us having his heart. And if he gives us his heart, this church is going to be full. You're going to be figuring out how many churches do we plant and where. You're, You're going to be looking at more and more ways to advance the kingdom. God, God is doing a work here, but he wants to do so much more. And the more that our hearts are changed to his heart and, 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 and his love becomes our love for others, then we're going to reach out, we're going to show grace, we're going to show mercy, and we're going to believe God, and we're going to be willing to face rejection. We're going to be willing to face persecution. We're going to be willing to face uh, suffering. We're going to be willing to face the attacks of the enemy because all these things are going to come. Jesus never said it's going to be easy. He never said you're you're not going to deal with any trials. You're going to deal with those things. But you know what? The love of God, the grace of God, it compels us forward. And that's what God wants to do in this place. He wants us to have his heart. That's his passion. And that's his compassion for a lost, dying world. Jesus saw the people. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what we need to see. We need to God to open our eyes and open our hearts and transform us. And I I want to pray that for us. If, if there's anyone here that's not surrendered to Christ uh, and, and, you, and you understand that Jesus died for you on the cross, that he rose from the dead and that if you receive him in faith, he'll give you eternal life. When I'm praying, you just surrender in your own heart to God. But for those of you that know the Lord and you say, I want to have the heart of the Father. I want to pray for you. Because he'll give you that. If you pray that and you mean it, God is always going to answer kingdom prayers. He's always going to answer prayers for us to be more like Christ. If we want to be more like Jesus, God's going to answer that prayer. If we want to see the kingdom of God advance, God will answer that prayer. You don't have to wonder if it's your will, it is his will. God, if it's your will to save, well, absolutely, it's his will to save. That's why Jesus went to the cross. And that's why Jesus rose victorious from the dead. And that's why Jesus gives his Holy Spirit because he's given you power to witness. So remember that. So if that's your desire, I want to pray over you. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Father, I want to thank you for every person here. I thank you for the privilege of being here as your ambassador, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the fullness that we see through your scripture of your heart to redeem, to seek and to save, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God that you are a God of grace. Father, I pray that you would give us your heart for people, your love for people, your grace for people. Father, give us boldness as the early church prayed. Father, grant us boldness to proclaim your gospel and advance your kingdom and your love and your grace and your salvation and your justice and your righteousness everywhere that we go. Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives our minds and our hearts. Transform us, Father, that we might be more and more like Christ. Open the doors, Father, for us to share the gospel. Lord, for anyone here that is not surrendered right now, bring them to surrender. Bring them into your family. Father, bless every man, every woman, every child, every marriage, every family here. Be glorified, Lord. Oh, Lord, fulfill your great commission in in our days. Send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit everywhere that we go to be your faithful witnesses. Bless David. Continue to guide him and and Mike and the leadership team here. Be glorified in them and justice and all those that are serving faithfully here. Bless them, Father, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And Lord, bring in a great harvest here in O'Fallon, and St. Charles County, in St. Louis and beyond. Lord, let your kingdom come. And Lord, let your gospel go forth in the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray.